Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1217, air date May 25th, 2023. All right, everyone. Good evening. This is Dr. Shiva Idre. This is our live town hall. This is the sixth in the series of town halls we're doing. As many of you know, I'm running for United States president as an independent candidate. We chose to run as an independent and to do it this time because we believe it's extremely important to build a movement. Um, our campaign is fundamentally different. You know, it's like uh, nothing that's ever taken place in U.S. history, uh, perhaps um, uh, probably closer to a revolutionary movement like the Revolutionary War but it's based on recognizing a very, very important principle that all change comes from below, bottoms up. I just finished doing a, uh, a session, a analysis of how it's absolutely ludicrous to uh, elect anyone uh, from the Harvard-Yale pedigree. And I make this, some may think it's a generalized statement, but you have to recognize that Harvard and Yale represent families who come together in this very, very, um, unique family pedigree that is an incestuous pedigree. The Bushes, uh, Ron DeSantis, for example, came out of Harvard and both Yale. And you can look at any of the presidential candidates that are running right now, and you'll see no matter what they say, they're part of this legacy pedigree that basically controls um, most of U.S. politics. It is families that control U.S. politics, and they are not about building a top-down, a bottoms-up movement. If anything, um, those in power today, as I talked about in our morning talk, are really uh, about um, the fundamental mindset that the rest of people in the world are dumb and only a few know what's going on. This is why the freedom of speech, as I repeated, and the First Amendment is central to preserving America as a country. Right now, under Elon Musk um, and the banana republic of people around him which we did a video on john did we put that out live we did that right um and everyone should go watch that what you will understand is that uh twitter which is the platform for social media for politics has been completely taken over by an individual who's part of the british commonwealth who actually believes that only a few people should govern and have the right to think he may talk the words about free speech, but at a deeply fundamental level, he has no interest in free speech. Twitter uh, and most of social media now is in the worst censorship uh, than ever before. And I say it's the worst because um, at least in Twitter 1.0 or, or uh, social media 1.0, people knew that they were being censored. Now the new form of censorship, they put you on, but they put you in a glass cage using technologies like predictive analytics and shadow banning and algorithms. So it's worse than ever before. And that's why our campaign, Shiva for President and our movement, Truth, Freedom and Health is so powerful because at a fundamental quantum level, it is saying that the future belongs to you and we have to build the bottoms up movement. So when I launched our campaign, um, I did not, um, and you'll see, you know, we can talk about platforms. I've done it when I ran for Senate. But our platform is fundamentally made about you putting responsibility in you and giving you tools every week 
So you become an agent of change for yourself and for others. And to give you a preview into that, uh, let me bring up this PowerPoint that I put together uh, to support our town hall today. But when we launched today's town hall is on the economy, how you can manage your money and prosper. Okay. It's really going to teach you some very fundamentals that, uh, frankly, most Americans have not learned or forgotten. In fact, most small business people don't know this, but um, six weeks ago, when we did our first town hall, it was uh, on healthcare. Our platform on healthcare is you have to strengthen your immune system. And I did a hour long video, which you can find on shiverforpresident.com, um, where we taught people what is the immune system from a systems analysis. You're not going to get that from any other of these presidential candidates because everything they do is either coming from talk, 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 talking about, oh, national identity or the family or preserving our values or on the other extreme talking about you know fighting for workers right which and none of them are workers it's all hypocrisy but when we talked about healthcare we gave you the tools and and we'll do it again next thursday i'm going to rotate it but you will learn what is the immune system and how you have to care for the immune system and then we give you tools then the next uh thursday after that we did an entire talk on the environment but we put that into very tangible terms on how you can learn to eat locally support local farmers and buy great food on a budget. That's the environment. Government ain't gonna do this for you guys. Jeff Bezos ain't gonna do it, Whole Foods ain't gonna do it. You have to do it and we give you the tools. On the educational platform, we taught people how to start systems thinking, how to think systems. Now we have the entire Truth, Freedom and Health curriculum that people can go learn and I've written books on this, but again, we did that as a public service. And the week after that, we wanted to teach you and your kids how to become innovators, the seven secrets of innovation. Government is not going to do innovation. Government and the uh, Silicon Valley and the military industrial complex is just taking billions of dollars and creating these hubs of innovation. They just circulate money among their friends. There's really no great innovation coming out of America anymore. Um, what Elon Musk is doing is not innovation. He's basically a government front man. Governance. Last week, we taught people some very powerful principles of governance and everyone should go review that you 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 can pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to harvard business school to learn stuff which in fact they don't even teach but in one hour i taught you the principles of governance but today we're going to talk about the economy and in talking about the economy the goal here is i could talk to you about gdp and the debt and all that kind of stuff but look let's all be honest all of these politicians, all these guys that run talk about after I get into office, I'm going to do this, but they don't teach you anything right now. You know, my dad came to the United States with $75 in his pocket, as many immigrants do. Why is it immigrants come to this country and they end up uh, being very, very prosperous? Why is that? Why is it the average American today, nearly 80% of Americans only have $400 in savings? Why is that? because they're being made ignorant by a system that wants to enslave people and wants to fundamentally make people dependent on the state that's on the left and the right wing has created monopolies. So they essentially wanna get labor as cheap as possible and wanna subjugate people. The left and the right are doing the exact same thing. One hits you with the left hook and the other one's hitting you with the right hook. That's what's going on. But today what you're gonna learn is some very foundational aspects of uh, the economy. Before I begin, and John, you can read out, how many people uh, have uh, know the difference or learned about what is an income statement, what is a cash flow statement, and what is a balance sheet? How many people know about these things and the interconnections? 
Now, let me just tell you, a, a survey was done about 10 years ago. It turns out most CEOs who run companies, 95% of them don't even know the difference. All right. And for that matter, most household people don't even know it. But in the next few minutes before this town hall is over, and then we'll open up to questions, all of you are going to learn these three very fundamental tools. And if you learn this in the interconnection among them, you will have this ground level principle on how you can prosper and how you can manage your money. But without these three principles, these systems principles, you'll always be in the dark. So that's what that's where you're going to learn today. Again, um, to um, those of you listening, I would ask you, has any other presidential candidate or has any other U.S. president ever taught you? what an income statement is, what a cash flow statement is, or what a, a balance sheet is. Has anyone been taught this? Do your kids know this? What people do know is how to go on disability right now and to live off government subsidies. What people do know um, is to talk about you know, um, how the government is manipulating you. What people do know is waiting for politicians to get into power. Let me just repeat this, and I've said this before, under the Obama administration, in two terms, $8.1 trillion was printed. Under the Trump administration, in one term, one term, $7 trillion was printed. People are printing money. And after I'm done with this, you'll understand why the economic situation that has been created by the elites who run America has no connection having anything to do with how all of us have to live. The elites live by different rules. They do not have to live by the rules that I'm going to share with you. And that's why they don't give a damn about the economy because they can make up money as they wish. And you're going to learn that uh, very soon. So, But let's begin with these fundamental principles. All right. Can everyone see this, John? Okay. So first of all, as I mentioned, we, we've gone through this. We're at the sixth session on the economy. So let's begin with what we're going to talk about. I'm a big proponent of systems. Once you understand systems principles, everything else becomes easy. Now you're going to, by the end of this talk, understand this interconnection between an income statement, a balance sheet, and a cash flow statement. These are the three documents that I get every week, that I produce every week for any of the businesses that I run. I get them, I review them, and it gives me the three levers to understand um, if I'm healthy on a personal level, you can use this for your own economic. If your businesses are healthy, the income statement, the balance sheet, and the cash flow statement. And you're going to fundamentally learn what these three things are and the intersection between those. So let's begin. What is the income statement? Okay. Whether you're running your business or whether you're running a household, um, whether you know it or not, every instant you are adding. Um, or depleting elements to your income statement. What is the income statement? Some people call it a profit and loss statement. What is the income statement? An income statement can consists of the following items. Now, I could get very detailed, talk about cost of goods, gross margin, but for the interest of this conversation, I wanted to keep it somewhat detailed, but not get so detailed that you think you're getting an accounting degree. That's not what this is today. But these are really the five big elements of an income statement, revenue. What is revenue? Revenue is the, um, uh, the uh, excuse me, revenue is what you're bringing in. It's the input that's coming into your household or your business. 
Well, where does revenue come from? Revenue typically comes from either you selling a product or you're selling your labor, okay? That's where revenue comes from. So if you work for a living, you go to work 40 hours a week, you typically get a salary. Let's say you're getting, let's look at it from an annualized basis. Let's say you're getting $50,000 a year. That is your revenue that's coming into your household. If you're running a business, your revenue would be, let's say you're selling a product. Let's say you're selling this, uh, what is this? Pellegrino, some, some uh, drink here, and you're selling a hundred units of it every year and you charge $50 a unit. That means you'd be making $5,000 revenue per year. Okay. So revenue is what's coming in. All right. It does not mean income. Revenue is what's coming in. Some of you, if you're running uh, a personal life, you may have revenue coming in from your salary. You may have, maybe you have a, um, uh, a second house that you're renting. You get rental income. You may be getting revenue from that. Um, some of you may be getting revenue from passive income. Okay. You took some money and you put it into um, let's say a money market fund, and you may be getting some interest income. Okay. These are all sources of revenue. So you could literally write down your different sources of revenue and how much you're getting weekly, monthly, et cetera. Okay. That's your revenue. Very simple. What are expenses? Now, now in some cases between revenue and expenses, and again, I don't want to get into the weeds here. When you're, if I'm selling this product and this product, um, the can, and the material in this costs me a dollar, that would be called cost of goods. That would be a little bit between revenue and expenses, but I'm not gonna get that detail. Fundamentally, you have revenue coming in um, and you have expenses. What are expenses? Expenses are what it takes in some time periods, the same time period of revenue, let's say you're making 50 grand a year. The expenses are what does it take for you to sustain yourself during that period to generate that revenue. So if you're um, working 40 hours a week and you're running a household, what your expenses would be, you probably live in a house or you rent, your rental expenses, that would be a rent. Your car expenses, you have to go back and forth to work, the insurance, right? The, um, uh, you know, the, um, uh, if you're paying off a lease on that car, right? Your, your food expenses, um, you may have a child that's going to college, those expenses. So all of those are expenses, all right? Income is revenue minus expenses. So you got $50,000 coming in, you have $40,000 expenses at, uh, per year, your income is $10,000. In the United States, we have something called income tax. Based on your tax bracket, you're taxed on your income, okay? Um, and let's say roughly it's 20%, right, on, on the average. And by the way, only 20% of people in the United States, most of the uh, income to the United States is only coming from 20% of the population. Just write that number down. So, so if, you're, if you made income of 10 grand, your income tax 20% on average would be 2,000 and your net income would be $8,000, okay? That's called net income. All right. So when you look at this, if you made $8,000, let's say in 2023, at the end of the day, when you uh, tallied up 2023, you made 8,000. That means you'd have $8,000 um, net income, which would then get added to whatever you had in the bank. 
let's say you started the year with $10,000 and you added now 8,000 net income, you would now have put away, you would have had $18,000 and we'll come back to that, okay? And that goes into your cash flow. But just look at this for a second. This is what's called your income statement, revenue, expenses, income, and net income. So obviously, when you look at this, you want your net income to be positive, okay? How would your net income be negative? Well, if your revenue exceeded your expenses or you had to pay such high income taxes that you made income, but you paid so much in uh, very high income tax that you didn't have anything, that's a possibility. But fundamentally, if you don't make enough revenue to match your expenses, you will not have a net income. All right. So just think about that. Very, very basic. But I would argue many people don't even track their revenue, their expenses, their income on a weekly or monthly or an annual basis. They typically do it at the end of the year when it comes to tax time, if they pay taxes. Okay. But these are the fundamentals. Now, if you're running a business, you have to be tracking your revenue. And revenue is typically generated by sales. So uh, I know there's some salespeople on the call here and people are given incentives to generate revenue, but a company is always trying to increase its revenue. You can increase revenue for a organization by expanding markets. So you're selling widgets in America. Okay, you can't, um, you've hit a, a market, then you would go to Europe, then you would go to Asia. Expenses. In the model of current capitalism, it is about maximizing profit. So if you make a widget in the United States, and that same widget could be made somewhere else for a cheaper price, people typically will lower those expenses by moving that widget making to another country. And in the United States, this has been happening uh, in the area of manufacturing. People have been moving stuff to China to particularly lower expenses. And we'll talk more about this. But fundamentally, the income statement tracks your revenue, your expenses, the income, income tax, and your net income, all right? That's your income statement. Now let's go to the balance sheet. The balance sheet is very, very interesting. The balance sheet really measures um, the your wealth in some ways. What is your wealth? That's what the balance sheet measures. So what does the balance sheet have? It's your assets, liabilities, and something called equity, okay? So the assets would include things that you own, right? You own a house, you own a car, you own stocks, okay, um, et cetera, all right? The liabilities are the things that um, you have outstanding that you owe other people. You may own a house. Let's say you own a house for $100,000, but you took a loan for $100,000. And so your equity in that home is frankly zero, right? But if you own a home for $100,000 and you've been paying down that loan, let's say you paid down twenty grand. You have 80,000 in liabilities and you're about 20K in equity in that home. All right. That's what that means. So the balance sheet really measures your wealth. All right. How much do you have um, in, in really your wealth? It's a snapshot of the health of your EU as an individual or you as a organ uh, or you as a organization. Obviously, when people say, you know, you want to build your equity, okay, that's what you're doing. You may um, have gotten a college degree. So you have a degree and you paid $100,000 for it. So you could put the degrees worth something, but you have a 100K loan, right? So until you start generating 
income to um, to pay off that loan, you have um, you know you don't really have any equity. But the balance sheet really measures your assets and your liabilities. From a governmental standpoint, uh, the U.S. government has assets, right? Countries have assets, their resources, their oil, their people, and then they have the loans that they owe to other countries. And you could match that to be, um, you know, uh, and the reason they call it a balance sheet is the assets typically equal your liabilities and your equity, or assets minus liabilities equal equity. All right, cash flow statement. To me, the cash flow statement, if I were to choose one thing among these three, we'll come back to the cash flow, cash is king. So what is a cash flow statement? If you were to do a cash flow statement, um, it's you look at your bank balance in the beginning of the month, you got $100,000 in it. And you look at the bank balance in the end of the month. Did it go up or down? If it went up, that means you're, you brought money in. If it went down and it's going down every month, you have a problem. You're, it's like your cash flow statement is no different than the uh, your gas tank in your car, okay? You have it full and um, you may lose um, some cash, but you always wanna, in, it, it, the, the slight difference between the car analogies, you may wanna get it more than full, okay? But the you typically in a cash flow statement, if you look at it in a month to month or an annual basis, you say, okay, I got this much money and then um, I started with this much and I have this much. Now, how do these things intersect? Well, first of all, the income statement um, and the balance sheet are connected really by if you're making money net income, right? And you save that, that's gonna become an asset in your balance sheet. If you took out loans, liabilities to fund your revenue, some people live off loans. They have your credit card, okay? And you're, and, or you took out a loan or you are a trust fund kid like the Kennedys, okay? I really have to ask, how does Robert F. Kennedy make his money? How do any of these people make their money? You really have to ask. So if you go back to this thing here, ask these politicians where they're getting their revenue from. Do they actually work for a living or they're living off some trust fund? Or do they have a big loan that they're getting? Okay. Trump takes lots and lots of loans. Jared Kushner lives off loans. Jared Kushner got a $10 billion loan from the Saudis. Okay. And he uses that loan, he puts it in a bank and he gets the interest off that. Is he really working? I don't think he's working. You have to ask if any of these politicians ever worked a day in their lives because they're not producing revenue. What they are doing is they take loans or they're living off someone else's money and it's not their money. So they're not like one of us. So remember that. So don't keep thinking these people from the top are one of us. They're not. When I say Elon Musk is a scumbag, the guy got all of his money subsidies from the government all right and that government is what fuels him it's not like he earned this he figured out how to scam the government to get his quote unquote revenue it's really not revenue but anyway when you look at the cash flow statement it's a beginning cash balance and the ending so the income statement is connected to the balance sheet because if you're actually producing net income you're adding to your cash right and your balance sheet is growing right you're being very productive and but if you're living off loans, the revenue that's coming into your income statement is coming off these loans and you're actually, you're gonna hurt your balance sheet. So while you may be, a lot of people are living with bling and all this running around, but when you look at their balance sheet, you'll see they have a huge liability, okay? So just because someone's walking around buying this, buying that and living you know, with, in big homes, you gotta go check their balance sheet because the balance sheet will reveal to you 
if they what liabilities that they have. All right. So the balance sheet and the income statement start to give you a picture. Now, the cash flow statement and the balance sheet are connected by something very important. If you're making cash and if you're investing it, you make uh, you have cash and you take some of that cash and you buy a home or you invest it into your business. Those will uh, show up your cash flow statement and your balance sheet are connected that way. And then fundamentally, I'll come back to review this even more. Your income statement and your cash flow statement are connected by the net income that you're making. Remember what I said here. If you go look at the net income right here, okay, when you are making money, which means you're running a frugal household, right? You're not going and buying crap that you see because someone promoted it yesterday. Your, your kids, you don't, you create a culture in your home to be frugal, to, um, you know, to buy food that you need. You don't waste stuff. Your income will grow. Um, immigrants know how to do this. Okay, um, they know how to save. They know how to be frugal. So um, working class Americans in the 40s and 50s used to know how to do this. That's how America built its wealth. So you have revenue, you you sustain your you you keep your expenses low, and you produce net income. This net income is what goes into building your cash. So you started with, you know, ten thousand uh, dollars this month. You made two thousand dollars. Well, you you've built twelve thousand dollars the next uh, month. So as you build your net income and you're putting it away, your cash flow is increasing, and that cash is also hitting your balance sheet. Okay. So your cash flow, as cash grows, your balance sheet improves. Now, what's fascinating is what I've shared with you is based on being honest. The United States government does not have to be honest, all right? When they look at, let's say, the beginning. So if you look, take the U.S. economy, using these principles I just shared with you, um, the U.S. economy, let's say, the beginning of the year 2023, roughly uh, the U.S. economy today um, is about, let's say, a, let's put it roughly a $25 trillion economy. Let's call that GDP, gross domestic product. What does that mean? That means if you take all the salaries, roughly, and I'm, this is a very broad definition of everyone in the, in the United States who makes um, money, right, all their income, and you said roughly that's $25 trillion. That's called the GDP, the gross domestic product of the United States. All right. So that is the GDP of the United States. It's an asset that the United States has on its balance sheet, which means its people produce $25 trillion in economic value. That would be something that would appear on the balance sheet. I just want to give you the feel of this. Okay. Now, if you by the way, only 20% of taxpayers in the United or, or householders are paying tax in the United States. And they roughly pay about 20% in taxes. You know, some people pay 50%, some people pay no. So let's take 20%. So 20% of $25 trillion is what? $5 trillion, Okay. So $5 trillion is the income statement revenue that comes into the United States government. All right. So that means the United States government has revenue coming from taxes. That would be their income statement of $5 trillion. Now, you would think if the United States government really cared about running a good household, their expenses would be 
5 trillion or less, right? Okay, well, if you look at T equals zero, for example, and you went to the cash flow statement of the US government, at the beginning of the year, you would think they should have $5 trillion there, right? If, or at least more than zero. But the reality is they don't have enough money there. So what do they do? Well, two things they can do. Like the guy's walking around with bling and trying to impress his girlfriend, they go borrow money. So they go borrow money from other people. How do you borrow money? Well, you print up something called money and you just print it. So the United, so imagine each one of us being able to have a printing press in our home and you just print money when you want it. Just think about what I'm saying. You So basically, you don't have to work. You don't have to go to work. You just say, you know what? I need $50,000, so I'm just going to print it. All right, and you print it. Now, how would you be able to print $50,000 in your neighborhood? And you're the only one who can do this. You'd be able to do this if you were the ones with a lot of guns and a lot of weapons. And if people said anything to you, say, I'm going to shoot you. I get to print money. Shut the F up, right? That's what it's like. And the United, the reason the United States can print money is because the United States is the biggest bully on the block. They have massive weapons. And because of that weaponry, they say, you know what? F you. We're just going to print money. That's literally what's going on, guys. So if you understand what I'm saying is they don't have cash in the bank. They're beginning cash balance is zero. So they just print money. That is what's going on. And Obama printed $8 trillion in two terms. Trump printed $7 trillion. So just let that sink in, what I'm saying. So again, imagine if you don't have to work. You are among the 10 families in your neighborhood. You have the authorization to print money because you own the printing press. And the reason you're able to do that is because you have a lot of weapons and you can tell all your neighbors that I get to print money and you will all buy use my currency. That's what this is like. And, and this is called the reserve currency model. Stephanie Keating, who's a professor at University of Pennsylvania, has written a book saying it's okay to print as much money as you want. She's justifying this. As long as the United States is a reserve currency. And you get to be the reserve currency by being the big bully on the block. Everyone getting this? So you wake up in the beginning of the year, you don't have enough money. You don't even have to put people to work. You don't have to really go work. You are just going to print money that you need. Okay? So understand that. So your cash flow statement at the beginning of 2023 says zero. Okay, I'm just going to print five trillion bucks and you just go do it. And so now suddenly you have five trillion dollars in your beginning cash flow. There's really no incentive now to work or for that matter to get everyone else to work because you're just going to take that five trillion. You're going to buy weapons with it. You're in fact going to fuel the welfare state with it and you're going to incentivize people not to work. Does everyone get this clear? So the balance sheet of the United States, if you were to look at it, it's a very, very fictitious balance sheet because a balance sheet will say you have a lot of cash and a lot of assets and you actually have uh, a big loan. The loan right now, the United States loan, which is a liability, matches the GDP. We roughly owe $30 trillion, okay, which is around what the GDP is. Now, here's the problem. 
the interest on that loan, let's say it's 4%. 4% of 30 trillion is what? $1.2 trillion. So the United States every year and growing owes $1.2 trillion. So if you're collecting 5 trillion in tax revenue, the 20% of the 25 trillion roughly, and 1.2 trillion of that is the interest, that means what? Roughly 30% of the revenue that you're bringing in is going to pay the interest on that loan you took out. So where is this going? Where this is going is in about 10 years, the the interest, the 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 loan, I'm sorry, the uh, debt is going to grow to around 60 trillion, the way it's going. And 4% on 60 trillion is 2.4 trillion. So what's going to happen is the government is going to get to a point where banks have taken, bought treasuries from the government, right? Um, giving them money and they owe, the the government owes all these banks. By the way, 80% of the money that's owed is not to foreign countries, but to banks in the U US. My prediction is what's going to happen is the government is going to say, you know what, we can't pay you, but here's digital currency. That's what's going to happen. It's the only way for them to solve this, digital. And what that means is that the entire US economy will be digital economy. So you will have centralized digital bank currencies connected to your iPhone. And this will furthermore be connected to carbon tax. So if you look at all of these presidential candidates, all of them support carbon climate change like Kennedy. He'll talk about centralized digital currency. Don't believe anything Kennedy says. He'll say whatever he needs to say. He'll say anything. That's the nature of the Kennedys. But he supports a climate change scam which means carbon tax. What's happening right now is they are unifying the, they want to move everything to digital currency, one leg of the three leg stool. The other thing is they want uh, to have social media control your devices, government control these devices, which is why the backdoor portal to Twitter is so important. And the third leg of the stool is the carbon tax. So what we're looking at is at the individual level, you're starting to see this come in all different places. You as an individual, your money is going to become digital the way it's headed. And your operational existence will be measured by carbon tax. So not only will your income statement, which I went through revenue expenses, but they will be tracking, oh, you used your car. Okay, carbon tax of X. Oh, you bought uh, this food, carbon tax. Oh, you bought beef, carbon tax of Y, and so on. So that income tax that I showed you in that line element is going to have a carbon tax. That's where this is going. And you're going to be incentivized to lower your carbon tax. And the incentive will be controlled through this device. Now, if you look at a guy like Elon Musk, he's into digital currencies. He's into the carbon tax scam, and he's into government controlling social media. He's right at the heart of all of this. So when you look at it from an economic standpoint, you cannot diver, uh, divorce the fact that your income statement, your balance sheet, and your cash flow statement is going to be controlled by the government in a very, very detailed way. And that's where this is going. 
And all of these presidential candidates, every single one of them, except me and our movement, is involved in one of these three things, or all three of them. Ron DeSantis is into the climate change stuff. Otherwise, Elon Musk would not be supporting him. All right. He may say he's against centralized digital bank currencies, but he's part of the Harvard Yale network. And you have to start connecting these three dots. It doesn't matter what Trump said. At the end of the day, Trump printed $7.1 trillion. That's what he did. And he didn't have to do that. And most of that money, 80% of that printed money, guess where it went? It went to the Jared Kushners and it went upwards to the big banks. So how do we get out of this? Well, what I, the reason we wanted to do this talk today was because we wanted all of you to understand this dynamic. We want everyone to appreciate on a personal level, we have to start living a real life. And what that real life means is you have to start recognizing that you have to ask yourself, am I generating revenue? What am I doing to generate my revenue? What am I doing to control my expenses? Forget what the government does. It doesn't matter what they do. They're out to screw you. You have to ask yourself, what am I doing to be self-sustainable? And one of the ways you can control expenses, guess how? In the old days, communities, people enabled people in local decentralized communities to shop together, to farm together, to barter together. It's not a bad thing. And the government does not want you doing this because you can significantly lower your expenses. In our talk six thir uh, four Thursdays ago, we talked about how you can support local farming, how you can support local businesses. And that is a very powerful way to support local, um, you, you know, to reduce expenses. So think about what I'm saying. You can be economical, but we have to start recognizing that we have to start becoming clever, independent of what the government does, to start supporting ourselves. The other thing you recognize is that when you look at your balance sheet, assets and liabilities, one of the primary assets that you have is education. Education, education, education. It's something people cannot take away from you. Today, what we have in the world is that people are going to college, they're getting some degree, but they know nothing. I don't think a, a college grad can fix their computer. Um, they know how to solve an engineering problem. They don't actually learning anything fundamental. So I would urge many of you that when you take account of your assets, look at the education you have. What we've done in our run for president and with our movement is we teach people the science of systems. It's an engineering systems education. We want to offer it to as many people. We, we give it away for kids. Because when you learn the science of systems, you, de you develop very powerful ways to think about things around you. So that's a very powerful asset. And one of the things is innovation. When you learn to make something, create something, you become, you know, when I first started um, my first company, I didn't have any money. And you uh, I'll give you an example. In 1993, the internet was just starting. I saw that the internet could be an opportunity to help artists go direct. So what I did was I wrote a book called Arts in the Internet. Um, we then went to MCI at the time, who was one of the biggest internet providers. I gave them an ad in the back of the book. They gave me a free T1 line. I went to a local um, uh, art center here. I shared my T1 line with them. They gave me office space. Everything... For, 
barter. And in that office space, I started my company. We we helped them. We started pu putting people on the internet. The entire thing was done through trading and being entrepreneurial. No cash was exchanged. So we 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 are forgetting the power of what we can do as communities when we start working together. It's really powerful. Many things can be started out of nothing if we start working together as a community. And so when I started that company, we started with nothing. We started getting customers. I grew that to around a $250 million valued company. I never took in venture capital funding from Silicon Valley. When you have nothing and you start recognizing the one of the assets you have is your community and friends, you can do a lot. So we have to recognize that. So again, going back to this, uh, the, the income statement here, I mean, the balance sheet here, you recognize that assets are us. Those in power do not want you to build community. You know why? Because they want you to be dependent on them. They want you to be dependent on banks to get loans. They don't consider human labor and the potential of human labor and us working together as an asset. But the most important thing I want to end with is a cash flow statement. Cash is truly king. And you have to recognize um, that you should not be, you should watch your bank accounts. Are you growing it or are you or, or is your, your is your cash flow going down? It's really, really important because this is your fuel. You know, typically every week, every day, every month, you know, for any one of my businesses, I'm constantly looking at the cash balance. How much cash do I have? How much do I need to run my business for my employees, breed for my own self on a monthly basis? So cash is king. It always will be king. And you can call it maybe cash is gold, whatever you want to call it. But ultimately, you have to have cash rocket fuel to run. Now, let me just make a point here. The elites do something very, very, they cheat. Because of the network that they have, they get to go get free cash. Think about this. Jared Kushner got $10 billion. Wasn't that what he got, John? $10 billion because of his network with Trump and the Saudis for nearly a zero interest loan. Just think about what I'm saying. Overnight, because of his the cabal that they all trade under, they get to give each other these low interest loans. And where did the 10 billion come from? It came from Saudi Arabia. Well, how did Saudi Arabia get $10 billion? Was backs, it was on the back of the Saudi Arabian people on the back of the US taxpayers. Because Saudi Arabia cannot generate that kind of cash unless the United States gave them protection. So all the money that the elites get when they build up their cash, when they build up their balance sheet, it is done on the backs of working people. And I hope you start to see this. Their cash flows, their balance sheets are not built on a true income statement. Everyday people, we have to live on a true income statement. The elites do not have to live on a true income statement. And that's really what I wanted to get across today. So in conclusion, you know, the big takeaway is from this talk here today that if you want to really understand the economy, you have to understand the foundation of the income statement, which is you actually doing productive work in the world, managing your money and generating net income. That's called being an honest citizen. The elites don't the elites don't worry about the income statement. They print money when they want it and they give it to their friends you know, and they beef up their balance sheets and they never have to worry about cash flow because they also can print money as they want. It is we, the people who have to live in honesty by actually generating real income.
So if you have to do this, look at every presidential candidate and ask yourself, have they ever had to generate an honest income statement throughout their lives? Have they? How does Robert F. Kennedy make his money? How do the Kennedys make their money? They still make, I believe, a nickel off every scotch that comes into the United States. They live off legacy. They really do. So why are we voting or even considering to vote for anyone top down? Why? They're not one of us. And that's why I wanted to share this with you. I'm one of you. We're all together in this. They're not. They do not have to play by the same economic rules. They play by right. Might makes right. They have big armies. They print money as they want. They give money to each other. They give loans to each other. And it's all done on the backs of the hardworking people, not only in America, but all over the world. Thank you. Let's take some questions. Um, but these are the fundamentals that we need to understand. And this is why I'm running for president, because we need to get everyone very clear. These people are not one of you. They're absolutely not one of you. And that's how that's why I have such anger towards these people, because every day they bullshit you. They spend all day long networking, 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 building their little cabals, hanging out at the parties. Because what they're doing is just trading money among themselves. That's all they're doing. They do not work. They do not really produce value. Let's take any questions, John. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're going to keep streaming. We'll take about five or six questions. And you can even look on StreamYard, John, if people have questions there. Okay, I can, I'll bring up. Okay, any questions? Um, Oh, so here's a question. How does the United States loan other countries money if we have zero cash? Great question. Great, great question. So how does the United States loan other people money if we don't have anything? The way it does it, Ken, is that they, they create what are called bonds, okay, or treasury notes. So, uh, so what they're telling other countries, is, hey, look, the United States has a big military. That's one of our assets. Look at our balance sheet. We got lots of F-15 fighters. We have lots of nuclear bombs, okay? We have a lot of oil in the United States. We have a lot of assets. We have the strength of the US economy. The assets, they go to their balance sheet. And because of our balance sheet, we're gonna print these things called bonds and you are buying into the future of America. So the other countries are buying into the American economy by buying bonds and these futures, Ken. And one of the important things to recognize is many of these other countries are also thugs. They realize, shoot, we can't let the United States go down the tubes because we need them to buy our consumer products, okay? Now, all of this is based on the concept of US being the reserve currency, the almighty dollar. However, countries like China, and what you call the BRICS nations are saying, wait a minute, why don't we start strengthening our own economies, becoming self-sustainable, so we don't have to rely on the US consumers buying our product, okay? So these countries' economic conditions, because they're still emerging or developing nations, still are tied to the need for the US consumer base. So that is why they keep buying US bonds or US assets, because they because there's still an interconnection but when many of these countries become among themselves interdependent and not dependent on the u.s consumer 
things will change in a very drastic way. I hope that answered your question, Ken. Yeah, go ahead. Cycling guy says, Dr. Shiva has a very sound strategy, it seems, for all of us to lead in our own community, question mark. Yeah, in terms of recycling? Is that his question? No, that's his name. The name is recycling. So what's his question, John? His question is, Dr. Shiva seems to have a very sound strategy for all of us to lead in our own community. He's asking, if, is your strategy for us to all lead in our own community? I mean, be leaders. Yes. So one of the things you can do is, if you go look at um, one of my uh, lawyers who's around 80 years old, he was saying in the old days, you know, in, and he used to live in Dorchester, if someone in, in the local neighborhood got sick, right, or lost their job, you know what would happen? The local community would go to XYZ's home and say, hey, do you need help? Can we bring you some clothes? Can we help you out? Okay. And the churches used to do that in the old days. Okay, so it was decentralized and people supported each other until the person got back on their feet. Okay, and they invariably did because everyone, you know, supported each other. What's happened now is that that person directly depends on the state. So we have centralized the need. We, we have taken away the need for community, which is a very, very powerful asset on the balance sheet. And we've outsourced that to the government. And this is one of the fundamental things that's happened. But the reason I gave you that arts online example was, man, I built that entire company with nothing. I had nothing. I had no money. I had no assets. But it was through getting other people doing this exchange of value that I was able to build that. And we can do a tremendous amount with very little. You can literally create something out of nothing when you realize the power of ideas and the power of people to cooperate and work together. And that's really a big takeaway here, John. Uh, more here from uh, YouTube. La Chill says uh, on YouTube is asking, did you file the paperwork for your presidential run? Yes, we did. Yeah, so we so typically you have to do two uh, papers. You have to do the FEC two. And then when you spend or raise more than 5K, which we'll be doing shortly, you file FEC form one. Does he want to ask why he asked that question? I guess he's wondering if uh, I, I, he or she, I don't know what, I guess he's wondering if you're like an official candidate now. We've always been an official candidate. Yes, we are an official candidate. And by the way, let me just remind everyone, um, unfortunately, a lot of people smoked a lot of weed and um, did not, and slept in their history class, as I'm finding out. Um, and they frankly don't know anything about history. A lot of people say the constitution says you can't run. Well, which constitution are they talking about? I don't think people understand there's things called amendments to the constitution. Article two, section one of the United States constitution said only a native born person can run. The founders never unfortunately define native born. And in fact, what's really interesting is the Marquis de Lafayette who was French was deemed a native born citizen of the United States. So, uh, people need to go study a little bit of history. The Fifth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment make it made it unequivocally clear at the federal level and the state level that it is unconstitutional to to uh, discriminate between a natural-born citizen, native-born, quote-unquote native-born, and a naturalized citizen. So it would be unconstitutional to not allow me to run and to not be president. So please go study history. And if you didn't study history, and if you want me to do a history class, 
Uh, we will do that for you. Uh, myself and Paul Clark, the eminent legal scholar, we've done two videos on this, but it's really, really unfortunate that people don't learn any history and they don't really understand that the constitution is constantly changing. By the way, the constitution changes in three ways. Uh, either uh, Congress comes up with an amendment and then it goes to the states. You have to have at least two thirds of the states get together in a convention and vote, or um, the states themselves get into a convention. And the third way is through precedents that are done by the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has um, ruled over and over again that you cannot discriminate between a naturalized citizen and a native born citizen. And furthermore, we will take this all the way up to the Supreme Court if we want to make it clear. But the bottom line is it would be unconstitutional to um, uh, prohibit me from running. Next, John. Facebook is saying uh, Trump paid his money with an initial loan with his father. Yeah. So let's, yeah. So, so Trump made his money with an initial loan from his father. I would argue that Trump made more money in the last four years than he did from all of that. Okay. The valuation of Truth Social went up to 1.8 billion. He made about a half a billion dollars off the election integrity stuff off of our work. Uh, at the end of the day, you can talk to many real estate developers in New York. If he had actually managed his father's money well, his wealth should be about five to 10 times more than he has. Okay. He had many bankruptcies. He's a rich boy who was at the right time. He, he hit the birth lottery. Okay. That's what Trump really did. Um, I've met Trump a couple of times. He's very entertaining, right? He spent a lot of time networking, um, you know, having a lot of porn stars, right? Paying off a lot of porn stars. But that's what he, I mean, he's a playboy, right? But that's what he did. Um, and if you can look at Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, right? These people are just socialites. They, what the hell were they doing in the White House, John? Can you please tell me? I don't know what they were doing in the White House. They had no business in the White House. What they were doing in the White House was building their balance sheet. Now that you understand what that is, that's what they were doing, all right? So regardless of how much you like Trump or not, recognize this, his economic conditions are very different than yours. He does not have to live by the same rules. You know, he got a $150 million loan from George Soros to build the big skyscraper in Chicago. You can go check it out, all right? So. Once you have a certain amount of assets, you're in a very enviable position because you can go get loans off of those assets from banks. And then you can go bankrupt too, and you don't have to pay that back. So um, I just met a very, very, my one of my best friends from New Jersey was telling me, um, she works with a coworker, very poor working class guy, who's one of these air traffic uh, controllers. His brother, um, uh, started a company to do all the carpet cleaning at the Taj Mahal. And he kept doing it on, he had invoices that he'd raised. And when Trump went bankrupt, he didn't pay anything. All right. This poor working class guy lost his $250,000. He has to pay his creditors. He doesn't have the same sort of collateral legal framework that Trump did. Trump destroyed so many small business people. Please go look into this, all right? He's not one of us. Maybe a nice guy, and maybe he says some funny things. He's an entertainer. He is not one of you. He doesn't have to really live or die by his income statement. He can always find ways out because of his network and his social uh, network. Next. 
cycling diet on following up. He's saying, I've been observing what Dr. Shiva had to say and wish to know more, how to be a leader in the community, how to coordinate resources and people. Tell me more. Yeah. So the question is, how do you become a leader in your community? You're asking a great question, Recycling Guy. Look, as I mentioned, our movement, our run for president is paradigmatically different. It is going to, uh, and it, it is a fundamentally a systems overhaul. If you look at that graph that John will bring up, and there, our movement, our campaign is motivated by this one graph, which says it all. And I'm going to repeat it again. This graph says it all. And no other presidential candidate will talk about this graph because all of them have been part of creating this disaster. Every single presidential candidate that's running but me, every elite, every academic, every government official has is responsible for this. And I want you to look at this because we're going to keep talking about it at every town hall. This is a disaster of the Democrats and Republicans, and this is only way out of this is leadership bottoms up. That gray line, that dark gray line that John's pointing to represents the average lifespan each year. Can you point to it, John? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I can do it right, right? This, this line, this gray, hard gray line here. Oops, what happened? Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, a streamer people can't see it. So how do I share it, John? Okay, hold on. Let me share it on Zoom. I got to find the graph here. I think I have it here. Okay, here. One second, everyone. Let me just bring this up on Zoom. Um, but the, the, the graph that I'm sharing with here is a graph on life expectancy, okay? It's a graph on life expectancy rates um, in the, in the um, I have it right here. Okay, it's a graph on how life expectancy has changed over the years. And you would think the United States life expectancy, given we're the number one GDP in the world and the strongest country in the world should be going up. So let me share with you, here it is, I got it. So I'm gonna share it on Zoom, John. You're sharing it on StreamYard, right? So let me show you this graph. What you see here is a very powerful uh, graph that really defines why we have to build an independent movement, okay? And what you see here is that this gray line represents from 1980 till 2020, around, in fact, 2021, the, the life expectancy in all the industrialized nations. It's going up and up and up. But what do you see here starting in, a little bit after 1980, 1982, 1984? We were going in this direction, but boom, we start going in a wackadoodle way. And over here, we start going in an opposite way. We start going down. All right? And in fact, when COVID hit, we went this way. So. If you're an adult right now, your children are gonna be living lesser in the United States than you. Let me repeat that again. The life expectancy of your children, your child is right now predicted to be less than you. Does that sound like a governance model that has really led us to anything? Because health is wealth. Everyone will tell you that. This is where we're going. This is where the United States is going. And this is brought to you. And by the way, you keep voting for both of them. This is like Lucy, uh, Charlie Brown thinking that one day Lucy is going to let him kick, you know, kick, kick, the, kick the circle. But all of this is brought to you by the fact that you have, it's a multi-systems problem. It involves 
big pharma collusion involves covert imperialist wars, offshoring tax havens, GPOs and PBMs. It's a whole systems problem that has led to this graph. It's not any one thing. It's not the vaccines. It's not just big pharma. It's a whole bunch of things. And to answer recycling, um, guys, I, I took the graph away, John. The bottom line is this, that that graph, if that graph doesn't convince you why you have to be out of your mind to vote for the lesser of two evils, this has been going on since 1980. It started with the Kennedys. Kennedy's policies starting in 1960 and going to 1970. It was in 1970 we saw the consolidation. We saw the creation of the Department of Education. We saw the consolidation of big pharma hospitals and PBMs. Everything starts around 1970. The United States centralization took place in 1970. And at the end of it, you have the fact that the United States life expectancy is going down. If you want to die young and suffer, please vote for those other guys. But if you want to live long and prosper, you have to vote for Shiva for president, period. You have no other choice. And the only way we're going to get there is through a systems overhaul. Write that down, a systems overhaul. It's not any one thing. And as a system scientist, I can tell you it's a number of things. But the fundamental trigger to all of this is you cannot be voting for the lesser of two evils. What does Ron DeSantis know about system science? The guy knows nothing. In 2020, we were saying, don't do lockdowns. He waited until 2021. He was promoting vaccine mandates. By 2021, Pfizer already made $80 billion. All right. Trump promoted lockdowns. Robert F. Kennedy promoted lockdowns. Why is it I was the only one who was able to say no lockdowns in March of 2020? Because as a system scientist, I can see the future. If Americans want a bright future, they have to vote me in and the movement and all of you have to become part of this movement. And it's not about me. It's about you becoming leaders in your community. You have to change the paradigm. Your children are going to die sooner than you lived. That's where this is going. The facts are right in front of you. You're going to have less freedom in the current model, thanks to Elon Musk and all the a banana republic around him. The debt that the United States is going to have is going to lead to more and more military warfare. The reason that we're fueling the war in Ukraine is because this is how this economy knows how to survive. It has no other way to survive. The United States is not doing innovation. It's lost as innovation power because it's all centralized. And by the way, none of these other candidates know this because they're all dopes. The average electrician and the plumber knows more about system science than any of those politicians running. So what is our solution? The solution is number one, as I put up in the graph, John, everyone was able to see the graph, right? because I shared it from here, then you took it out, right? The bottom line is, as we shared, what is our program? Um, what is our real solution here is, let me bring this back up. The real solution is you. You are the solution, okay? No politician's gonna solve anything. Politicians do not know how to solve anything. As I talked about, particularly these guys at Yale and Harvard, they create problems. They're massive creators of problems. They do not know how to solve anything. They've come to power by creating problems. They know how to solve nothing. You know, I, I have to say this to credit, you know, as an MIT PhD, as a guy who's had to uh, bust his, you know what, um, you have to learn how to solve a problem. You don't get a PhD out of MIT or you don't get degrees in engineering. 
But our solution, as I've turned around, is you, you have to strengthen your immune system. We'll provide you the infrastructure. You have to start learning how to eat locally on a, on a budget. That's the environment. You have to learn how to think. We provide you systems thinking, all free. You have to learn how to start being an innovator in your local community. We've, we've taught you that and we'll keep doing these lectures. So today is our sixth in the series, economy. Next week, we'll teach you again how to strengthen your immune system. Bring all your friends. Our movement, our campaign is about you taking leadership about first with your own body, with your own family. It is not about looking to the above and listening to these morons talk the talk, but never delivering. I repeat, all of these guys talk the talk. They do not deliver. And they always tell the truth. They delay the truth. And then they talk about how they're fighting. Next question. You just pretty, uh, did a pretty good job of laying out uh, why a recycling guy needs to become a leader, but he was asking how. Okay, so how can you be a leader? Um, what I'd like to do is we can continue this. You know, our town hall on this is officially over. I my goal was to finish the town hall on the economy. We can keep this going, John. Can it keep streaming? Yeah, we can keep streaming. Um, what I wanted to do was so officially the Shiva for President town hall is over. We've discussed uh, you know, how you can take control. We've given you the principles. What I'd like to do now is move over. We also have a lot of people come for the truth, freedom, and health uh movement. And to answer recycling guy. Look, the way that we win and the way that you become a leader is to understand some very, very profound principles. And to do that, John, if I take it, everyone can see it, right? On my thing, I'm going to take you to the bedrock of the solution for this, which is a foundational knowledge. My great grandfather was a very poor farmer. He had nothing. He grew up as an indentured servant, always believed in education. And one of my goals is to educate as many people as possible on the science of systems. So if you go to truthfreedomhealth.com, you'll see our slogan there is get educated or be enslaved. So this is our Truth, Freedom and Health open house now, now that our uh, town hall has ended. But the fundamental problem we're solving at Truth, Freedom and Health is this, okay? If you look at the world right now, you have lots and lots of information out there, tons of information at your fingertips. You know, you have, um, uh, um, you, you can access billions of videos, but in spite of all that information, you have to ask yourself, are people getting healthier? Are we getting more truth? Are we getting more freedom? And I would argue it's absolutely the opposite. Close to 700 million people in the world are anxious and depressed. 51% of our children feel hopeless. 40% of people in the world want to overthrow their governments. Two and a half billion people are obese. In the next 10 years, half of the world's population will be obese. So in the midst of all these health videos, it's not like people are getting healthier. 52% of the people in the world don't even know what to eat in spite of all these health videos, okay? 95% of people have health problems with one third having five ailments. So how did this happen? It happened because of this. And as a system scientist, I can, as an educator, I've made it very easy to understand this dynamic. What's happened here, okay? What's happened here is, oops, you'll see that the information is fed to you through ignorance. So you have the left and the right. The left wing will look at, it's like looking at the whole picture and they feed you one part of it. Or the right wing feeds you another part of it. The right wing's all about, oh yeah, we gotta build our identity. We have to build our families. We have to do this. You know, I believe in God and blah, 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 blah. Well, and the left wing is all about talking about workers 
and trying to make sure that they're good. Neither the left or the right, the right is neither Christian or cares about God, and the left knows nothing about the working people, but they give you little snippets of the whole. That's called ignorance. And that leads people to illusion and confusion, and people are getting either complacent, they're checking out, I'm not gonna vote, I'm not gonna participate, or they get desperate, become terrorists, wanna go shoot up people in a mall, or they get into this left-right paradigm, they get divided. And this is what the forces of power, profit, and control want. They want people to be on the left or the right or complacent or desperate. And who is bringing you this? It's not the obvious establishment. It's easy to expose George Soros. Don't think Elon Musk is some great savior talking about Soros. He is a mask of Soros, okay? But it is these people who are really the machinery of ignorance. It is the Donald Trumps. It is the Tucker Carlson's. It is the Alex Jones, who's an entertainer, or Joe Rogan, or the Saad Gurus, or the Bernie Sanders, the AOC. These people are splitting people into left and right. They're entertainers. And the way out of this is recognizing this phenomenon, that the way we become leaders is that you have to understand the science of systems. This is real knowledge. How do you interconnect the dots? How do you take information and how do you interconnect it to get to wisdom? Because with wisdom, you get clarity. And why is clarity important? Because clarity leads you to become active and innovative and organized in your own communities. And that is what we teach at Truth Freedom Health. We teach you the science of systems because that will lead you to wisdom. Now, in order to get there, you have to make a shift and you have to let go of the old. If you looked at that lifespan graph, if that is not a wake-up call, that we need a systems overhaul and that systems overhaul getting to recycling guys, you have to become your own guru in your community. Now, how do you do that? Well, when you're ready to do that, I've created a system. No different than email was a system, no different than Cytosol. It is an innovation. And it is the it is as powerful as Prometheus bringing fire uh, to earth. It is a system. What does this system in include? Well, first of all, it includes an entire course and I want to give this away for free. When we gave it away, no one wants it. So we said, okay, um, you know, give us a hundred bucks and people do that. And if you take the course, I want to encourage you to finish it and you can give it away to as many children as you want for free. So it is free. You can become a philanthropist. What do you learn in this course? You learn what I used to teach at MIT, the leading brains in the world. You learn the science of systems in the first five parts. Then you learn how the science of systems goes back 10,000 years. You learn the nine principles of system science that you can apply to politics, to your body, your health, and to science. It is the science of everything. So this is the first thing, recycling guy, you need to do. You need to understand the science of systems. Second, I've made it easy. You can go buy these books. We give it away. I want you to understand what a system is. What is a revolution? You will understand from a system standpoint. You will understand you can apply system science to your life, your body, to everything. You will then understand that the system science goes back to every phenomenon in the world. And I, I wrote a paper on this in the science of engineering systems. It is truly the science of everything um, that should be taught at, at the kindergarten level. Then I, I give away a tool because I want you to understand that real health does not come from diets. Real health does not come from eating this food or that food. Real health comes from the right medicine for the right person at the right time. And it took me about 20 years to create this very powerful tool. You answer a set of questions, it'll figure out what kind of system you are. 
And the black, that's a red dot. The red dot represents how your system is off course, okay? And then you can use these three principles called transport conversion storage. In the Indian system, it's called Vata Pitta Kapha to figure out what foods are right for you, what exercise are right for you. We also promote the fact that food is medicine through the Cytosol Open Science Institute. Once in every two weeks, we do incredible lectures on system science. Last week, we taught global community of people how to meditate, the power of meditation. We also believe in the learn, teach, and serve model. To recycling guy, we want you to learn this, then we want you to teach this, and we've created tools for you to do that. I do these one-on-ones. We also have a global community now of nearly 400,000 people in 95 countries. And then we want you to get on the ground. We want you to go door to door, teach people like we did in 2020, what, how to fight election fraud, teach people how you, know, how you protect your immune system. This is a door to door, neighbor to neighbor model. And then we've created tools, the equivalent of Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, all accessible to everyone in the movement so you can become a force for change. That is what we've done. We have created a revolutionary infrastructure so you become the agent of change. That is what's so profound of what we've done. Anyway, what I'd like to do before I sign off on StreamYard, John, is to welcome everyone to this very powerful, you know, mind-blowing, paradigm-changing movement, and it is made up of everyday people. If you go to this website, Truth, Freedom, and Health, I encourage you to go there. You will find out that this movement is a movement by you, for you. There's no one else but us doing this. We're not expecting some celebrity to come help us. We're not expecting anyone to cover us in the mainstream media. We're building it one by one, door to door. And that's the way things are going to change. Yes, it's going to take hard work. And that's a paradigm change. People have to got, got to recognize that no one else is going to do it. The only people going to change the world are us. And if you think change is going to come from scum at the top, you're going to just get more scum, okay? You're not going to change the world fundamentally. And as I mentioned, your children are going to die sooner than you, the way things are headed. So you have to recognize that the only way out of this is for us to build our own movement bottoms up. That's it. There's no other way to change. Thank you, everyone, on StreamYard and to the rest of the world. We're going to continue with our Truth, Freedom, and Health because we're going to introduce people. John, you can stop it elsewhere, right? Thank you. And everyone else stay here on Zoom.